Slow Burn Media and Bill Huffman present Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. You do swear the testimony you should give to the court in this matter shall be the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth to help you die. I do. Please state your full name. Charles Cohen. And you spell it C-U-L-L-E-N. Is that correct? Good morning to Mr. Cohen. Good morning. During your first appearance on the Wealth of Pennsylvania, is that your understanding as well? Yes, Your Honor. The New Jersey counties and the Pennsylvania counties agree to work with their respective governor's office to permit you to be moved to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania for purposes of... you wish to plead guilty this morning? Yes, Your Honor. And are you pleading guilty because you are guilty? Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Mask, would you be kind enough to elicit a factual basis for your first? Yes, Your Honor. Your Honor, may I ask one question? Yes, you certainly may. Yes, Mr. This is going to take some time again, uh, if, if you Did you inject Ms. Stoker with any medication? Yes. And was it your intent to cause her to expire? Yes. And what agent did you use to accomplish that intent? Digoxin. Okay. You had access to that patient at Somerset Medical? Yes. And you injected that patient? Yes without authorization? Yes. With the intent to cause death? Yes. And in fact, that patient died? Yes. And the agent employed by you was? Dijoxin. Accordingly, the court accepts the plea of Mr. Cullen, and we will schedule the matter for sentencing in a manner that allows for the terms and conditions of the plea agreement to be carried out. Hello and welcome to episode 117 of Who Killed? I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media production. On this week's episode, we'll be taking a look at a case that requires a little bit more than just one episode, and this will be Act 1 of the wild and tragic story of the Angel of Death, one Charles Cullen. There is a great book about the case titled The Good Nurse, a True Story of Medicine, Madness, and Murder by Charles Graber that was published in 2014, and it is an extremely detailed account of the case and was a great resource for this podcast. Now, the Courier News of New Jersey also did an amazing job of covering the case as it happened, and I've used some of their articles to help shape the story. Charles Cullen, a.k.a. the Angel of Death, the Good Nurse, etc., was, needless to say, an interesting individual. And it was on December 12, 2003, when the world first heard the name Charles Cullen. He was arrested on one count of murder and one count of attempted murder. Cullen was working for Somerset Hospital in New Jersey at the time of his arrest. Attention was instantly focused on the system and how this nurse could have worked for multiple hospital systems within, I don't know, 15 years and a number of suspicious deaths. So this is a story of a killer who could have been stopped on numerous occasions if there would have been some simple communication between hospitals. Now, Charles Cullen was born in West Orange, New Jersey, in 1960, and he was the youngest of eight children. Now, his father was a bus driver who died when Cullen was just an infant. And according to medicalbag.com, 
Cullen described his childhood as being miserable. He claims that his first of at least 20, 20 attempts at suicide. Charles had a very rough childhood. And let's just say at 17, things really took a turn for the worse. And that was when his mother was killed in a car accident. And she was instantly killed and... Needless to say, his mother's death would have an extreme impact on his life. And he began acting out. He eventually dropped out of high school and then joined the U.S. Navy. Now, at this point, Cullen served as a petty officer, third class, aboard a ballistic missile submarine. And this is where, as a member of the team that operated the sub's Poseidon missiles... Some people started to notice some odd happenings with Charles. And it was while, again, on the submarine that Cullen began to show signs of some potential mental issues. The article recalls one incident where he completed a shift while wearing a surgical gown, mask, and gloves that he had stolen from a medical cabinet. As we have seen with multiple churches, the Navy did what they did. And that is, put him on another ship. And not surprisingly, he attempted suicide several more times. And it was another few years before the Navy finally gave him a medical discharge in 1984. Cullen would go on to complete his nursing education and then began working at St. Barnabas Medical Center in Livingston, New Jersey in 1987. Charles Cullen, at this stage of his life, seems to be the most content. He was able to keep himself together enough to get married to Adrian Taub. And that same year, the couple eventually would welcome children. And the odd thing is, the first murders to which Cullen later would confess occurred at St. Barnabas. And the first was on June 11th, 1988. So, during these years of contentment, he was starting his career as a serial killer. The first murder that he committed was done through an IV where he administered a lethal overdose of a certain medication to a patient. And this is when people at St. Barnabas clearly began to notice a pattern that when Charles Cullen was working, there were a number of code blues and code reds and, again, a lot of red flags, basically. And St. Barnabas actually did go ahead and take some steps to try and figure out what was going on, and they were able to determine that Cullen was most likely responsible for these increases in deaths. And like the Navy and uh, the church, they decided that instead of going to the authorities, they would actually just let him resign. And again, he resigned during an investigation into these bags. And it's like, oh my gosh, they could have easily prevented this. And, you know... They basically had Cullen in a corner and, you know, 
it's amazing to think that this should have resulted in charges being brought against him, but they decided it was easier just to let him go. So it was just about a month later that he was once again in scrubs, and now this was at Warren Hospital. Cullen was so brazen that he would even list his previous employment and allow the hospitals to contact them. Some would even give glowing reviews. Once again, the ball was just dropped. Cullen would go on killing. He murdered three elderly women with overdoses of the heart medication, digoxin. And this is what the nurses referred to simply as dig. This was something that he could inject directly into the IV, or as his final victim apparently said, that a, quote, sneaky male nurse had injected her as she slept. But family members and healthcare providers at the hospital dismissed her comments as unfounded. Now, this is even despite her son saying that something was amiss and the hospital really needed to take a closer look at this male nurse. He was Charles Cullen, of course, and he did indeed inject this man's mother with dig. He would eventually have to be given a polygraph, and since he knew his way around the world of medications, he would use this to help him beat the test. And, you know, the blood tests that were taken, and to the surprise of Charles, he was found not liable and she supposedly died of natural causes. Now, the shock behind this announcement wouldn't be known for a while, and that would be the fact that the patient wasn't actually tested for digoxin. And Cullen, again, just slips through the cracks. Now, Cullen at this time was a closet alcoholic. He would drink alone in his boiler room at his home, hiding from his wife. And it got so bad that his wife divorced him, and Cullen would eventually go on to attempt suicide again. Now, one of the weird things about the internal investigation is Warren actually allowed him to continue working while they looked into the suspicious deaths during his shift. Now, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but sometimes you have to acknowledge how stupid of a decision this was, and how many more people he could have harmed. I want to say that the idea that Charles Cullen was relieving these patients of their pain sounds like he was doing them a favor, but that would be disregarding all the cases where the patient wasn't terminal. It was just part of his way of rationalizing what he was doing. It was at Warren where Cullen would become infatuated with one of the other nurses. In Cullen's mind, he was just going to charm this woman with little gifts and constant attention. Just what every person wants. Reluctantly, this woman actually went on a date with Cullen, and after that, she got back together with her boyfriend. Cullen, the right-minded individual that he was, not decided he just wasn't trying hard enough and would call her constantly, leave gifts, and would even follow her around on her shift if he had the day off. This would lead Cullen to believing this nurse must be in danger since she wouldn't call him back and would rebuff any advances. 
It actually got so bad that her boyfriend had to threaten Cullen to cut it off. It wouldn't, and he would eventually break into her home by throwing a brick through the front window, thinking that she was in trouble because she had not returned his phone calls. If this doesn't sound like a man who has some mental instabilities, I don't know what does. Just saying. So, again, Colin gets arrested and charged with stalking, basically. And, you know, they've this woman filled out a police report and, you know, he pled guilty to trespassing, received a year of probation. And a day after his arrest, guess what he did? Colin attempted suicide again. He took two months off of work and was treated for depression in two psychiatric facilities, but attempted suicide twice more before the end of 1993. Again, this individual is somebody who could have really used some extra psychological help, but he never sought it out. Now, he eventually left Warren and got another job, and it was in the late 1990s when there was a nationwide nursing shortage, and this is where things really are wacky. There was no reporting mechanism in place to identify healthcare professionals with mental health issues or histories of suspicious behavior. So, guess what? Cullen continued to land nursing jobs. Cullen was accused of giving patients drugs at unscheduled times, and he was actually fired after being seen entering a patient's room with syringes in his hand, an encounter that left the patient with a broken arm but without criminal injections. Now, Cullen caused the death of a patient at Liberty Hospital that he blamed on another nurse. Now, again, after leaving Liberty, he was employed at Easton Hospital in Easton, Pennsylvania. Now, he worked there from 98 to 99 and, again, murdered another patient using DIG. Now, a coroner's blood test showed lethal amounts of dig in the patient's blood, but an internal investigation within Easton Hospital, quote, was inconclusive. Evidence did not definitively point to Cullen as the murderer. Now, again, with his history of mental instability and all of these deaths occurring during his shifts, you would think hospitals would be a little bit more judicious in their hiring process. But again, as I said, they did not have a system in place. And in 1999, he accepted a position at a burn unit in a hospital in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where he killed one patient and attempted to murder another. Later that year, Cullen resigned his position and was hired by St. Luke's Hospital in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, in the cardiac care unit. He murdered five more patients there over the next three years. Let's hear from this week's sponsor, BetterHelp.com. As you guys know, 2020 was terrible, and things are still pretty terrible. But today I am happy to tell you about BetterHelp.com. 
Because if there's anything that's holding you back or interfering with your happiness, BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. You can connect with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. And it's really convenient because with the current state of the world, it really needs to be. So now you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. All you have to do is schedule secure video or phone sessions. And you can also chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp really is there for you. They have over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. And if, for whatever reason, you aren't happy with your counselor, you can request a new one at any time. They even have apps for your smartphone or your computer, so you are never out of touch. So again, if you're suffering from anxiety or depression, anger, stress, relationship issues, heck, not getting good enough night's sleep, trauma, LGBT matters, they literally have a licensed professional counselor for you. And of course... Everything you share is confidential. And the thing I like most is that this is actually an affordable option. And Who Killed listeners get 10% off their first month with the discount code WHO. So when I get started today, go to betterhelp.com who. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor that you'll love. Again, for 10% off, go to betterhelp.com slash who. Let's hear from this week's sponsor, Best Fiends. I want to tell you guys about Best Fiends. It's this awesome puzzle game that you can play right on your mobile phone. Researching true crime can bring you down a bit, and when it does, I turn to Best Fiends. Clearly, I enjoy solving puzzles, and Best Fiends offers me a new challenge every day. I do want to say it's a casual game that doesn't stress me out. And that's a great thing at this time. One of the best parts about Best Fiends is whenever I open the game, there's always something new going on. Whether it's a new challenge, a fun monthly event, or just new levels. I mean, I'm cruising through these levels, so it's great that there's new levels every day. And since I'm moving through these levels so quickly, it's a pretty clear sign that anyone can play this game. I do find that moving through all these puzzle levels makes for a mindful experience that really does relax me. And collecting all those different characters is just another reason that I turn to Best Fiends for a break. If you're tired of the same old puzzle games, this game is for you. Best Fiends is way more than your average mobile puzzle game. The makers of Best Fiends have literally created a whole world right on my phone. The music is awesome. It's colorful, bright, the graphics are amazing. Temper is my favorite character, and he's really helped me through this journey. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on this game. So join me and millions of people who are already playing this fun puzzle game. Download Best Fiends for free at the Apple App Store or Google Play today. That's friends, without the R, Best Fiends. All right, we are back. Cullen's mental health is always something that is going to be brought up when you discuss this individual. And he did attempt suicide once again, this time in a very unusual manner by filling a charcoal grill in his bathtub and lighting it 
hoping to succumb to carbon monoxide poisoning. Now, of course, this plan was not the smartest, and neighbors smelled the fumes and called the fire department, and he was taken to a psychiatric facility. Now, he was returned home the following day. Now, the interesting thing about that is in 19... Well, let's see, in 2000, you would have been able to get the 72-hour hold, so not sure what that's about. And that does seem a little negligent as far as the protecting or the protection of a patient. And again, this is just crazy. Now, there weren't many suspicions at St. Luke's and until, of course, uh, another co-worker found drug vials in a biohazard bin. Now, again, these are drugs that aren't street value drugs. These are drugs that are used for, you know, patients that are terminal or have been in the hospital for a long period of time. And again, it is just absolutely amazing that um, he had not been charged for any of these crimes because an investigation they actually did an investigation and it showed that Cullen had taken the medication and then he was offered a deal instead of the law enforcement being involved he was offered a deal by the actual hospital and he resigned and again that's just ridiculous like if you're gonna try to kill people or attempt to kill people you should be held accountable for doing such a thing and again you know it's just crazy so Cullen is still able to land another job and so he is actually able to get a job at Somerset Medical Center and Somerset would be the place where he would end his reign of terror and this would also be the place where he basically went off uh the hook and um we're off the chain or however you want to call it because he killed another 12 to 15 patients at somerset and you know charles cullen is one of those individuals that um it's just amazing that in this day and age even in 2000 we had the internet they could have figured this out and uh they didn't so it's just one of those wild things that he really slipped through the cracks. Like, to to say that he didn't luck out is absolutely wrong because if it wasn't for the hospital administrations dropping the ball, law enforcement not being notified, and families really not pursuing these deaths that they thought were suspicious it's gosh it's just really a it's a it's a shame and a stain on on that particular industry because you know they're held liable for these types of things i mean this is malpractice and i just don't understand how they would have allowed these things to occur so it's it's really 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 odd and um you know, once the whole Cullen investigation began, 
they were able to determine that he was most likely the person that had been tampering with bags of, you know, IV bags way back at St. Barnabas. Uh, I mean, he, (laughs) there are so many things that could have been picked up in a background check, but you know, they didn't do that kind of stuff. And again, the references that he would put on there, they would basically give him a glowing review and that could have easily prevented him from, getting another job anywhere if a red flag would have been put in his permanent record. So the fact that this guy, Charles Cullen, you know, I mean, 16 years he worked in 10 different hospitals. And I'm sorry, but that just doesn't seem like a practical thing to me. Um, I'm really confused on how he could have gotten away with this for so long. And again, you know, when he was eventually arrested on that day in 2003, it took about two days of interrogations before he admitted to the murders that, you know, he was being accused of. I want to take a moment to tell you about my podcast, Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage. In 1984, a woman named Phyllis Cottle was abducted in broad daylight, tortured, and left to die in a burning car in Akron, Ohio. At the time, I was a rookie reporter covering this horrific story. Since then, I've reported every kind of crime imaginable. I've been able to leave most of them at work, but not this one. The one that buried itself under my skin and stayed put. Phyllis Cottle was a badass woman, and I want to tell you her story. A production of Evergreen Podcasts and signature title of the Killer Podcast Network, you can find Carol Costello Presents Blind Rage wherever you get your podcasts. Discover more great true crime and paranormal programming at KillerPodcast.com. So it's kind of wild that this guy who seems to be you know more powerful than he is folded so quickly but again the evidence was there and you know it's hard to say it wasn't you when uh, they confront you with so much stuff and you know Charles was pretty quick to admit you know his guilt and I think a little bit of that is you know wanting to be remembered as something more than what you were. And that is definitely um, Charles' game, I think. I I believe that when he took that job at the critical care unit and at Somerset, um, he was basically on his last psychological legs. I mean, he ended up killing 13 people at this one place in just about a year. And that is insane. And again, he used digoxin, insulin, and epinephrine. And basically, all of those things, um, it's just, they're hospital-grade, you know, pharmaceuticals. So, Again, not street drugs. These are drugs that are just used for 
patients that have long-term issues. And, you know, it was uh, one of those weird things, like, in uh, one of the articles that I was reading, it was soon after we quote, soon afterwards, Somerset began to notice Cullen's wrongdoing. The hospital's computer system showed that Cullen was accessing the records of patients to whom he was not assigned. Co-workers began seeing Cullen in the rooms of patients to whom he was not assigned. The hospital's computerized drug dispensing cabinets showed that Cullen was requesting medications that his patients had not been prescribed. Cullen's drug request Requests were strange and included many orders that were immediately canceled. Now, if you read the book, The Good Nurse, there is a very detailed account on why that is. And there were a lot of repetitive requests within minutes of each other. Now, again, in July 2003, it was the executive director of the New Jersey Poison Information and Education System that had warned Somerset officials that at least four suspicious overdoses indicated that the possibility that an employee was killing patients. So finally in 2003, before Cullen is actually arrested, there is a red flag and they are notified. And the hospital delayed contacting authorities until October. And by then, Cullen had killed at least another five patients and attempted to kill a sixth. So, not necessarily the best decision on Somerset's part. The hospital finally alerted the New Jersey State Police. And this was after a patient had died of low blood sugar. And that patient was Cullen's final victim. Now, state officials quote, castigated the hospital for failing to report a non-fatal insulin overdose administered by Cullen in August. And an investigation into his employment history revealed a lot of suspicious deaths in his involvement in those occurrences. Now again, on October 31st, 2003, Somerset finally fired Charles Cullen. And not for what you would think. He was fired for lying on his job application. Now, this person, the next person that I am about to discuss, is pretty much the person who solved the mystery of Charles Cullen and the Angel of Death. And that was fellow nurse Amy Loughran. And she alerted police after becoming alarmed about Cullen's records of accessing drugs and links to patients' deaths. Now, I've read that, or at least in The Good Nurse, that she was really hesitant about this because she really liked Charles. And it's very understandable from the perspective of being a fellow nurse that you can't imagine that somebody that you are friends with or you, I mean, they were close. So she couldn't even imagine that this person would be responsible, but it got to the point where she had to look in the mirror and start to acknowledge that maybe there was something more to the situation than what she was actually seeing. So they had her kind of as a CI, I mean, as they describe her in The Good Nurse, and basically, she was working as a you know, criminal informant for the police as well as doing her job as a nurse. And 
you know, this was stressful for her. And police did keep uh, surveillance on Cullen for several weeks, and that was until they finished their investigation. And then they asked Lawfren to visit Cullen after work hours and talk with him while wearing a wire. Now, again, this was somebody that she was really close with, and she struggled mightily with this decision because she was basically, you know, jeopardizing their friendship and any future relationship. But she also knew that if he was what he was possibly being considered, that she needed to be a part of solving the problem and not being a part of the uh, continuance of letting him off the hook. So it was from this point that they were able to get the evidence they needed for the arrest. Now, it was one of those things that uh, it really came too late. Let's just be, let's call it what it is. I mean, this is, uh, this Charles Cullen character is given the name Angel of Death. And unfortunately, he's kind of a meek individual. So I think that is a little bit of uh, high horse over-grandizing this particular individual. I mean, he was taking advantage of the most vulnerable people in the world, people that are hospitalized, bedridden, and what kind of person does that? Uh, clearly not a mentally stable person with his 20-plus suicide attempts. And again, there were plenty of opportunities to get help. I mean, he could have easily turned to another fellow nurse and said, I need some psychological help. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling suicidal. But he chose not to do that. And in Instead, he chose to kill people. So the psychology behind Charles Cullen is what's really interesting. And also the fact that the hospital systems allowed this individual to kill and continue to kill throughout a 16-year career. So who's to blame? Well, the hospitals, Charles and basically just Charles. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. I mean, he if he wasn't involved, none of these people would have died the way that they did. So it's unfortunate that the hospital systems did not do their due diligence and follow up on certain resume issues or whatnot, but they certainly let this guy into their hospitals and into their critical care units and ICUs and burn units and he did some terrible things so let's uh let's hold the hospitals accountable for that particular instance but at the end of the day it was Charles Cullen's actions that were what led to the deaths of 30 to 40 individuals and next week or the following week, we will be discussing some of those victims and those numbers. And again, this case is super interesting in a lot of ways because it's a system failure. It's a mental failure. 
it's a lot of sweeping things under the rug and, and what happens when you do so. So that's why I feel like it deserves more than one episode. So this is part one. This was an overview of basically Charles Cullen's employment history and we will dig into his psyche and mental instability as I progress down the path of the angel of death. So thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. And again, next week I will drop part two of the angel of death. And it might actually be the following week because I will be uh, predisposed. So there might be a rerun next week. But in the meantime, please enjoy this episode. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. And thank you to Best Fiends and BetterHelp.com for sponsoring this week's show. As you guys know, I drop new episodes of Who Killed every Friday wherever you get your favorite podcasts. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, as well as my other shows, you can help support the podcast by clicking on the link in the show notes, or you can contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at bill-huffman-3. Now, every contribution, big or small, does help keep these shows on the air. And again, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have a show. So, if you don't want to support monetarily, you can also support the show by leaving a five-star review on po- Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your favorite shows. Because those five stars do help keep the cases that I cover, such as Amy Mahalovic in the spotlight. If you'd like to stay up to date on the cases that I have covered, as well as the new shows I have in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter at BillHuffman3. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Until next week, be healthy and stay safe. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done. And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, 
we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.